Well, it was um, uh, six months ago or so that uh, I sat down and decided, you know what, I, I think the direction the Lord wants us to go in terms of the, the, a sermon series and a message for this church year is to be in the Gospel of Mark. And we have been in the Gospel of Mark and taking it verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And where we have landed today, and, and again, this was months ago, that this was kind of laid out, and as I prayed and looked and talked, even with the Holy Spirit, Lord, guide us and search us and give us an idea of what, um, where you would have us go in Scripture. That God gave us this story for this day. And so we have been looking at Mark, and, and Mark chapter 1, verse 15, now is the time, here comes God's kingdom. And what does it mean for God's kingdom to come here? And as God king, God's kingdom comes, what does it look like then among all the other kingdoms of the world? So here's what we're going to do is we're going to read this from Mark chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 30. There are two stories, and I hinted at it with the kids. The feeding of the 5,000. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Kind of, it says, uh, it's the header in my Bible, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And then also Jesus walks on water. So let's take these two stories, because Mark combines these stories. He loves to do that. And we can see in uh, the ways in which the kingdom of God is working. So Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Just take this story in this morning. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. Many people were coming and going, so there was no time to eat. I'll stop right there. That's a tragedy right there. No, no time to eat. He said to the apostles, come by yourselves to a secluded place. And rest for a while. They departed in a boat by themselves for a deserted place. Many people saw them leaving and recognized them. So they ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Later in the day, his disciples came to him and said, This is an isolated place, and it's already late in the day. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. He replied, You give them something to eat. But they said to him, Should we go off and buy bread worth almost eight months' pay and give it to them to eat? He said to them, How much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, they said, Five loaves of bread and two fish. He directed the disciples to seat all the people in groups as though they were having a banquet on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate until they were full. They, were filled, they filled 12 baskets with the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. Right then, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake, toward Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying goodbye to them, Jesus went up onto a mountain to pray. Evening came, and the boat was in the middle of the lake, but he was alone on the land. He saw... His disciples struggling. They were trying to row forward, but the wind was blowing against them. Very early in the morning, he came to them walking on the lake. He intended to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they screamed. 
Seeing him was terrifying to all of them. Just then he spoke to them, be encouraged, it's me. Don't be afraid. He got into the boat and the wind settled down. His disciples were so baffled, they were beside themselves. It's because they hadn't understood about the loaves. Their minds had been closed so that they resisted God's ways. The word of the Lord this morning is exactly what I needed. It's what I needed this week. And last week I told you, you know, we, I, I was here but I couldn't even talk. And I, how frustrating that was that I couldn't talk. And, and, and I come in and, you know, I, I have friends here, which is good. And friends can be supportive. And friends can be helpful. And then you have those friends who can give you a hard time, Right? Just, just when you needed it. And so I came into the praise team. And I said, praise team. I, trying to communicate. I was communicating over text mostly. I can't talk. And I showed up and my voice was a little bit better last Sunday morning. But I, I couldn't do it. And Sorry, praise team. I can't talk. I'm just going to listen. And then Greg starts playing. And all the people said amen. <laughs> Thank you. I needed that reminder. Yeah. But, but it was so frustrating for me. And... But Pastor Gage then, and, and, and with about 36 hours notice, delivers this sermon. And, and wouldn't you know it, he didn't get the feeding of the 5,000 sermon. He had to deal with John the Baptist getting his head chopped off. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that just touch your heart, you know? What a story that was, a weird story. But it was a story that Mark presents about dueling kingdoms. The kingdom of God. Jesus comes into this world, and the kingdom of God breaks into this world. And man, it is so different. This is a kingdom of peace. This is a kingdom of forgiveness. This is a kingdom of understanding and kindness and compassion. It's a a kingdom that helps people and lifts people up. A kingdom of love. But then Mark gave us this glimpse of what it was like in Herod's realm, in his kingdom. This was not a kingdom of compassion. This was a kingdom of treachery. This was not a kingdom of kindness and love. This was a kingdom of violence and collusion, and false protection, all all these problems. And what it ended up in is John the Baptist was the victim of this terrible, harsh kingdom of of this earth. Today the story is similar, but not as icky, okay? It's a, it's a happier story because now what we're seeing, we're still seeing two kingdoms go against each other. But it's not a kingdom of peace versus a kingdom of violence. Now this is a kingdom, Mark wants the reader to, 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 to see this. This is a kingdom of abundance versus a kingdom of scarcity. It's God's economics versus earthly economics. And the battle here is not between John the Baptist and Herod. Here, the two kingdoms are revealed in Jesus, Jesus representing God's kingdom, and then, actually, it's his disciples. Because there is this super awkward conversation that we read this morning in verse, started verse 35. Did you catch this really awkward conversation? If you, have you ever been talking to someone, and you deeply respect or admire this person? It's someone, maybe, who's in authority, but you know they're wrong. You know they've got something wrong. And you don't, do I correct them? Do I put them in their place? Do I, I, I how do you, and this is the approach the disciples had with, with Jesus. 
They come around Jesus and they hey, Jesus, man, great sermon. You're, you're doing great. But is the benediction coming up anytime soon? <laughs> can, can, we, can we wrap things up? Because uh, you got to land this plane. Because everybody's hungry. And hungry only gets hungrier, you know. So, Jesus, time to stop, stop preaching, time to stop eating. Okay, I didn't get an amen. Okay, good. All right, we're, we're, we're still here, all right? Jesus, hey, it, it's time. It's, it's time to wrap up. These people got to eat somewhere. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And the disciples say, well, we don't have enough. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? And the disciples say, we don't have enough. <laughs> we, we have two fish and five loaves of bread. And Jesus says, here, give, give it to me. Do, will you dare give it to me? Do you, are you brave enough to give it to me? Because I, ha- I can take what you have, I can make it enough. And the disciples, that oh, we have enough. In fact, we're full, and they're all full, and now we got the leftovers. And the kingdoms of this world will try to tell you that you in your life and what you're, how you're living your life, what you're doing, you don't have enough. We have TV commercials that scream, you don't have enough. You don't have enough, and you need to go out, and you need to get that one more thing. And guess what? It's on sale this week for a limited time. <laughs> you don't have enough, and you need, you, you need more. That's what they wanted. And what they'll say is, what you do have, save it. What you do have, keep it. Bury it in a hole. Hoard what you have, and don't tell anybody where it is. Keep it. Stockpile it, because you don't have enough yet. But the kingdom of God is a kingdom of abundance. It is a kingdom of enough. It is a kingdom where there is so much that there are leftovers. And that word enough is tricky, I think. Enough for what? Enough is not an amount. It's not a measuring thing. But I do think it is enough to accomplish the mission that God has. Enough to satisfy. Verse 42, enough that everyone ate until they were full. But enough does not mean everything you and I could possibly want, especially right now, not on my timeline and in my bank account, but enough does mean all that is needed to fulfill the mission God has given us. Church family, I'll stand here today in faith and in confidence and tell you that God will give us enough to fulfill the mission that he has given for you and for me and for this church. But what's crazy is the kingdom of God does not stop at filling me, and it doesn't stop at filling you. Let's talk about leftovers. I love leftovers. Aren't leftovers great? This weekend, my wife has been out of town. And when I say out of town, Virginia. She's halfway across the country, okay? And she's got, she got to go to her cousin's wedding, and uh, I'm so glad she got to go. She was with her sister and her mom, and man, they, they had a great time. And I'm so glad they got to go, but I really need her to come back. <laughs> and I'm thankful for my, my brother. You know, I made the call to the bullpen. He came in, and he's been uh, a help as, as he's been here this week. But 
I'm proud to report to you this morning that both of my girls are alive. <laughs> All right? We survived. And that was great. And they're, I, they're even fed. And, we, you know, I changed some diapers. And, you know, we, 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 we got it done. We're, we're, we're doing all right. Don't look at Hazel's room. <laughs> but, but we're okay. And we even got the oldest one, the five-year-old, we got her to her school program Thursday night. We got her to soccer practice. She had a soccer game yesterday. And she did pretty good. And we, we celebrated and she requested two things at lunch. After, after a great game, she requested two things. She wanted leftover corn on the cob and leftover pancakes. And guess what we had for lunch? We had leftover, we had, we had corn on the cob Friday night. We had pancakes Saturday morning. There was leftovers. Here we go. That was lunch. <laughs> she requested it. And now it's on the record, so my wife knows. <laughs> that is what she wanted. <laughs> True story. And I'm not here to tell you today I'm a professional chef, not that I've given you that idea, but I can make the basics, and I, and I can make the basics pretty well. I make a mean bowl of mac and cheese, you know. I could do spaghetti, uh, popcorn, excellent. I, I'm really good at that, you know. Anything on the grill. If it's meat on the grill, I, I got you covered there. Breakfast, eggs and bacon, of course, pancakes, and, and then even corn on the cob. But whatever I'm making, when, when I make something, I like to make sure, I like to make enough that there will be leftovers. Because, man, leftover, you throw it in the fridge, and then you walk in. You ever gone and you open the fridge, and you forget it's there? And you're like, there's pizza there, or there's leftover. There's something there. Oh, man. This is, maybe this is a problem for me. But I, I, I like having leftovers. <laughs> and they save you some money, too. You don't have to go out all the time. But you, and then if someone comes over for dinner, oh, you're okay. Unexpected, because, hey, there was, there's more than you had planned. And you're making more than you needed anyway. So here we have Jesus making leftovers. It's not just, I'll give you enough for what you need right now. Twelve baskets full. There's leftovers. And this first story we read here, and again, I, I mentioned the title, Jesus Feeds the 5,000 People. And that's not part of the Bible. It's just what the, the publishers put as the, the title head to give you an idea of what the story is. But it says, Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. Can I tell you that I don't like that title. That is not a good title. That's a bad title. That is, I don't think that prop properly represents what's going on here. One is we're pretty sure that in this day and age, only the men were counted. It says 5,000 had eaten, but it's, it's only 5,000 men. Now, what about women and children? Were there women and children there? Well, they weren't eaten unless there was at least one kid there, right? Because in the other Gospels, it doesn't say in Mark, but the other Gospels tells us it's a little boy who, who brings the, the, the bread and the fish. So there were at least one kid. There were probably many kids there. There were probably many women as there, there as well. Jesus fed way more than 5,000 on this day, way more than 5,000. And back then, that was the culture. The man kind of represented the entire family. So they, they, they counted the household units. They counted the men. But there was always leftovers. Whether it's 5,000 men or 5,000 families or however many thousands there are, there are still leftovers. And Mark doesn't stop the story with 12 baskets left over. That's the end of that story. But Mark continues on in verse 45. Immediately, right then, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake. 
Here we go. Next story, and it's another one, and it's Jesus walking on water. And by the end of this second story, did you catch verse 52? We're back to the leftovers. We're back to talking about the loaves. As the disciples were first afraid and then just confused or baffled, it says. And Mark connects this with verse 52. That's because they hadn't understood about the loaves. Their minds had been closed so that they resisted God's ways. And I wrestled with this a little bit this week. What did the disciples not understand about the loaves in verse 52? A closed mind would say, you know what, the kingdoms of this world are right. There is no way forward. This is impossible. And their response was to question Jesus in one story, and in the other story, just be so terrified and confused and fearful when they saw Jesus pass by. We have to ask ourselves, church family, what, what kingdom are we a part of? How are we going to conduct our lives? And I, I get it, we're stuck in the in-between here. Because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, has all of this abundance and, and great God will provide. But the kingdoms of this earth, economics is not a false religion. Economics is just kind of a science. And there are hard truths to that. And even our church leaders have dealt with that in the past several weeks. So what did this say about the disciples? That they were terrified. I think it's a natural reaction. But I also think it's, hmm, what kingdom are we going to follow here? And it's Jesus, Jesus pushing. What kingdom are we going to follow here? And I wonder if we can put it this way as well. The disciples were acting like sheep without a shepherd. You've heard that phrase before. That was in the feeding of the 5,000, the shepherd. Jesus sees these people. And I tell you, and if you catch this, Jesus was taking the, the disciples out for a rest. They had just worked their tails off. They, it, was, it was a lot of work they had done. They had traveled out. They had done God's work. Amazing things had happened. And now Jesus is like, that's awesome. You need a break. You need some Go up on this mountain. Go chill out for a little while. You just need rest. And what happened? More crowds. More crowds. And there's the, the Jesus kind of heads them off at the pass a little bit, intercepts them, and maybe the disciples do still get to go off and do that. But Jesus starts, begins teaching. And what is Jesus' reaction? Not, oh, no, not more crowds. Not, oh, more kingdom work. Oh, I'll just grumble, 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 grumble. No. He has compassion on them. And he says to them, verse 34, they were like sheep without a shepherd. When you are sheep without a shepherd, you worry about things. Especially things like, will there be enough? Is there enough food here? Is the grass greener on the other side? Is there something dangerous out there that's coming to wipe us out? How are we going to be safe? How are we going to be secure? A sheep without a shepherd doesn't have a guarantee of food or water or protection. And that's scary. And do you know what sheep do? You know what I would do if I was a sheep without a shepherd? And you could hear maybe the wolves or the coyotes howling. The enemy's out there. You know what I would do? I'd go find the fat, slow sheep and stand by him. And now I don't have to outrun the wolf. I just got to outrun this guy. You know, 
And here, here we go. This is just what happens is the sheep start to turn on the sheep. Sheep start to turn, turn on each other. And if we all can't survive, well, it's, I'll, just, I'll just make sure I'll preserve myself. It's not kingdom of God talking there. Those are the kingdoms of this world. Sheep without a shepherd start to turn on each other, survival of the fittest. But then Jesus steps in. The kingdom of God doesn't worry about that. The kingdom of God does not worry about the enemy. The kingdom of God does not worry about, will there be enough? We don't see each other as competitors or rivals in the kingdom of God, and we don't know exactly what Jesus taught to the 5,000, and we don't know what he said on the boat ride, the rest of that boat ride after he climbed in. It doesn't, it, it, Jesus obviously was talking to them, but it doesn't say exactly what he said. But I wonder, I wonder that if Jesus gathered the people in, sheep without a shepherd, and he looked into the eyes of the baffled disciples in that boat, and I wonder if what Jesus said in those moments are the exact words that you and I need to hear today. I wonder if Jesus leaned in and said, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not worried about that. Not even death, not even darkness, not even the shadows of this world. We don't fear darkness and death. We don't fear the kingdoms of this earth. Why? Because you, Lord, are with me. You are my shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, they protect me. You prepare a table before me. All those meals I was worried about, there's not enough. There's not going to be enough. Maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. You prepare a table before me even in the presence of the wolves and the coyotes lurking out there. You anoint my head with oil. I believe we're chosen. Set aside. God's people. With a purpose, a designation, sanctified to do the Lord's will. Every single gift of a day that we receive, there must be a reason that God has us still here. Otherwise, as soon as we got saved, we'd be whisked off to heaven real quick, right? If that was the goal, if the goal was just get you saved, you can go to heaven, well, you get saved, go to heaven right away. Why wait? It's because in the waiting, there's some work to do that God has partnered with his people, partnered with his church, partnered with you and me. There's some work to do. There's some things to do. There's a purpose. There's a reason. He anoints us. You anoint my head with oil. And when our head is anointed with oil, we are so filled with all that we need, it overflows. There's leftovers. My cup runneth over. And surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
If you need your soul restored today, you will not find it in the kingdoms of this world. You will not find it by worrying more. You will not find it in your own strength or leadership or navigational skills. You are not the shepherd. But church family, if I can push us one step further today, I should have ended it right there. (laughs) You're protected. You're safe. God's got us. We'll be okay moving forward. But if I can take us one step, because I think Jesus takes his disciples one step further today as well. And I think Mark is pushing us one step further today as well. You are not the shepherd, but I'm not so sure you're just sheep either. Because watch this, and this is crazy. But remember what I said that I didn't like the name of that, the miracle? Jesus feeds the 5,000. And I, think, I still think it's a bad name. One, it's not 5,000. It's many, many thousands more, maybe 15,000, 20,000. But, but that's, it's not just a numbers thing that I think makes this wrong. It's because actually in this story, if you read it, if you pay attention to this story, Jesus does not feed 5,000. Jesus does not feed anybody in this story. Did you catch that? Jesus doesn't actually feed anybody in this story. Go look at verse 41 again. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. Oh. So Jesus didn't go and feed everybody. Jesus had his disciples in the place. And the disciples were the ones who got to distribute all that was needed on that day. And then leftovers. The disciples could not, on their own, produce enough. On their own, 12 of them. Two fish. Five rolls. That's not even one piece of food per disciple. (laughs) They couldn't, they could barely produce a snack on their own. On our own, church family. We won't produce enough for the kingdom of God. But the disciples could absolutely give all that Jesus gave to them. And what Jesus gave the disciples was absolutely enough. In fact, it was more than enough. And I think we as God's people are given all that we need, not just to fill ourselves, not just to fulfill what I need. Although, Lord, bless, I I need that. Give us today our daily bread. I need my daily bread. But we're also given enough for leftovers. And we're given enough to go beyond ourselves. We are given enough to go feed all who are in need. We are given enough to give everybody what they need. And then there are leftovers. And there's 12 baskets full. And I know 12 has an Old Testament significance as well. And it represents everybody, all of of the the, uh, descendants of Abraham. And we're going to get to a time when there's even more. There's there's another feeding uh, story in Mark. But... But for 12 baskets full, do you know what happened to those 12 baskets? I don't know. Mark doesn't tell us. And I love that. I love the idea that in the kingdom of God, in the economics of God's kingdom, there's so much left over, I don't know what to do with it. 
We'll find something. I don't know what to do with it. In 2023 and 2024, watch what God is going to do. And whatever it is, it is enough to do exactly what he has called us to do. In this year, church family, God will give you all that you need to do all that he has called you to do. And if God dares to grant us the gift of waking up on this earth one more day tomorrow, what a gift that is. But if he, if he decides, yep, you get one more day, there's a reason he has given you one more day. If he gives you one more week, one more year, one more decade, it is because he has a reason for you to be here. And he will give you all that you need to do and provide for the mission he has for you. So I want us to close in prayer this morning, but this is a directed prayer. Because there's three things we need to make sure of today. We need to make sure that we are not living as sheep without a shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. And then we lack nothing. And then we shall not want. If anyone else, if any other system, if any other kingdom is shepherding us, we have to live by the economics of that kingdom. Who is your shepherd today? We also need to ask God to give us exactly what we need to fulfill his purpose for our lives here and for your life today. Are you asking God to give you what you need for your life and for your mission, for your calling that he has given you? And we need to be ready to receive what, has, what God has given you, and then you share that with others. Get ready for leftovers. You know, what, it, you know what someone who's ready for leftovers, who's preparing for leftovers, you know what they do? You go buy some Tupperware, some Ziploc bags, right? Because leftovers are coming, and you need it. And you know what? At least in my house anyway, the Tupperware, I don't know, the lid never matches. They never stack properly. As soon as you open the cabinet, it falls out. What a beautiful problem to have. <laughs> That's okay. So let me lead us in a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we come to you today. And sometimes it feels in this world there's a lot of sheep without a shepherd. And there may be people in this room today, Lord, who feel like they don't have a shepherd. They are just on their own. And they're on their own to fend for themselves, to find their own food, to find their own safety, to protect themselves. And it leaves them worrying and wondering, should I go over here? Should I go over there? Is there greener grass? Where? And what a life of stress and problems and anxiety that is, Lord. Be our shepherd today. And Lord, we also ask for you that you would give each, I ask, you would give each person in this room exactly what they need to feel full, to feel fulfilled, 
and to be able to live out the purpose you have for them in this life, Lord. Not one day far away off in heaven and glory one day, that's coming, Lord, but right now, even as we wait for your return, Lord, fill us with all that we need. And Lord, finally, may you equip us and prepare us for the leftovers. That you would bless us so much, not that we would hide it away or squirrel it or, or, or bury it somewhere and, and then stockpile it, but Lord, may we be so overwhelmed with your blessing and with your economics of your kingdom that we couldn't help but just share it. Don't allow us to be conformed by the kingdoms of this world, but transform our minds, transform our hearts, Lord. And let us see it so obviously in the days and weeks ahead. We are your church and we are your people. Bless us, Lord, so that we may be a blessing to others. We love you. We praise you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.